Our scripture passage this morning is found in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 4. We're going to be reading uh, the first bunch of verses up to verse 9, starting in verse 2 of Mark chapter 4. And as I read it, I invite you to join with me by standing either physically or in your heart before God as we hear these words from the book that we love. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, and where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came, The plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell along the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good ground. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. And then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. God's very word. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. You're riding your bike and a dog comes up to you. You've always liked dogs. But you slow down to avoid running over this dog because it seems just not as in control as some, and in your slowing down, it sinks its teeth into your leg. Several stitches and a rebase shot later, your wounds heal, but the fear remains. From now on, you're on alert. On alert when a dog approaches you. You keep back from a potential pain. And you stay back from the unconditional love that almost all dogs so gladly give. The same can happen in our relationship with God. God does not bite. Life bites. And sometimes it bites pretty deep. So we distance ourselves. Stay in the weeds. We stay hidden from God, even blaming him for the bite itself. Like Adam and Eve, we hide amongst the trees. We hide from God like they did, though we do it in different ways, right? And instead of entering into the pain with God, we avoid any potential pain. And in doing so, we avoid God staying back from the unconditional love that God always gladly offers. In this parable, Jesus shares ways in which people initially stay hidden from God. And also, it reveals ways where Christians self-protect against potential bites from disappointments. Disappointments we don't want to have again, or maybe we don't want to add to the list. 
We don't want to face them rather than facing them with God, which is a much healthier way to do it. Jesus says, God offers far more than we can hope or imagine. What's that look like? Well, so often we fall into one of the categories of the first three soils because we'd rather keep our distance, stay away from the bite. Let's reflect on this parable for a few minutes. Looking, first of all, at the setting about why Jesus would use this kind of parable. Jesus stayed primarily in the Sea of Galilee, and most people in Galilee had a little plot of land, even just a few square, hundred square feet of land. It wasn't their job, but most families had a plot of land, like a larger garden, and they would work this land manually. And then they would sow within this land, and sometimes they would sow, as we would do. We would come by, and uh, we would put the seed in the ground, and we would put it a certain distance. That was done sometimes, and then sometimes what they would do is, I'm sure you've seen it, they would have an apron, and they sort of bring the apron up, and they would have a pile of seed that's there, and they would walk along the area, and they'd kind of cast their seed into the soil that they had plowed. And that was another common way in which the sower scattered the seed. And then the seed itself. Luke tells us in chapter 8 that the seed that is spread is the word of God. It is the gospel of God. The seed that is spread in this parable is God longing to speak to us. The seed represents God wanting to be a part of our lives. And Jesus was the perfect messenger whose work on the cross, in the tomb, and the resurrection provided everything that we need in order to allow God not just to speak, but to find a home within our hearts. And so we come to the soils, the soils that Jesus talks about, the soils that talk about the seed and how God wants to be a part of our lives. And most people can identify with one of the four soils. This is how I really learned about this parable some 20 years ago. Uh, one of the first times that I was there, the bus stopped, the leader dragged us out into fields, and that's where we were. And I was standing right here. And uh, the leader said to me, do you know where you are? Uh, um, in a field. Okay. Do you know that you are in a parable? Okay. Do you know what parable you are in? Uh... You are in the parable of the soils. And I took my camera and I just looked down and I took a picture. And there it is. I keep it in my office. The fields were separated by a path. And as we'll reflect on the soils, the soils are all represented in this picture. The path is packed down. 
part of the path is where the rocks are at that they have pulled from the fields and they've put on the border of the fields. They make a little path and then it's, the path isn't well taken care of because they spend their time in the field, right? And so there are weeds that pop up, thorns, weeds there on the pathway. And so this would be a common picture that was going on in the time of Jesus that people would plug into immediately because I had often thought, why would anyone go around throwing seeds onto rocks or into thorny patches? Well, they wouldn't. They, it would, the blow, it would blow, right? It would blow when they were trying to get it into the field. It would blow upon the path. And there on the path, they would have the first three kind of soils. There is the hard soil. It says, the first one, some fell along the path, the hard path, and the birds came and ate it up. That's the path that the workers would walk, and they would pack it down. The first soil, the hard soil, represents a calloused heart, a heart that is cynical, a heart that's hard. And it seems like truth doesn't even have the opportunity to penetrate into this soil. It doesn't penetrate because the soil represents pride. I can handle this on my own. I don't need God's help. It's hard to any referral to God. Uh, fear makes a soil hard. People are afraid maybe of what God might say to them, what God might ask of them, might somehow ask them to give up. I have found, from my perspective, bitterness makes a heart hard and calloused. Bitterness maybe from that bite, bitterness from other circumstances that come into the life. Bad experiences and not handling it correctly, not handling it biblically, can make someone critical and sarcastic and make their hearts hard and cold towards God. As a follower of Jesus, we can have bitter hearts, calloused hearts, when life has bitten us. How sad. So that's the first soil. It's part of the pathway. It's the hard soil. Then there's a second kind of soil that Jesus calls the rocky soil. Now, much of Israel is just a little bit of topsoil on top of a whole bunch of limestone. So when the rocks are pulled out, as I mentioned, from the fields, because, right, they work their way up in the fields, right? And you want to pull them out before you plow, and where are you going to put them? Well, you're going to put them on the path. You're going to get them out of the field, and uh, you're not going to put them behind a tractor because you don't have tractors. You're just going to put them there in the pathway. And then the sun in Israel beats down awfully hot. Two things happen. First of all, the seed that lands on the rock would quickly take off. It would shoot up quickly because it has that heat from the sun. But the heat from the sun, secondly, because it is on the rock, there's nowhere for the roots to go. And so I can't find water. And so that little plant that's starting to grow 
withers and dies because it can't find the water. It has nowhere for the roots to go. It starts fast and it ends quickly. Sometimes when God speaks to us and we understand God is speaking to us, we get excited about the possibilities of what God promises to do. And then we let our hearts sink away because life happens. Life heats up. Sometimes the water and the refreshment is harder to get to. It's a rocky place. This type of life is a shallow life. It's a life that can't take the heat. Maybe the heat keeps us from being as obedient to God as we should be. We know what's required. We know what the plant needs. The plant needs water. It needs that connection with God. Uh, But the spiritual disciplines in our lives, the connecting with other Christians, uh, or the mocking or the teasing that we might get from others, we, we decide to leave this new promise of life that Jesus offers and return to our prior way of life. As a Jesus follower, it means that we need to make sure that we spend the quiet time we need with God to make sure that the roots can find the water and the nutrients that it needs. Sometimes when we are too busy, and sometimes I think busyness leads to a a rocky life, sometimes in the busyness of life, we are not tending to the soil as we should, and so our soil looks more like a rocky road, and it withers, and it dries from the heat of life. There's a third type of soil. It's called the thorny soil. Other soil fell among thorns, which grew up and broke the plants, so they did not bear grain. Notice that in this soil, the seed does sprout. It actually starts growing. But after a bit, it gets choked by the weeds and it doesn't bear fruit. Jesus later on describes what's going on with the thorns. He says the thorns represent worry, represents fretful people, anxious people, people who don't know how to rest in God's hands. The thorns represent unbridled pleasure of the world, elevating amusement and entertainment and pleasures, elevating it to a place that is Thorns represent a restlessness, shifting from one thing to another, not able to spend the time that's needed in one place, but just drifting and drifting and drifting. Weeds are often a sign of neglect, aren't they? If someone just has a garden, there's weeds in the garden, it's a sign of neglect. And whenever we neglect God, whenever we avoid God, weeds will grow. Weeds will grow in our life and strangle the life out of us. And that's what Jesus says, it'll strangle 
the life out of us. Getting too caught up in the things of the world can keep us from hearing, from obeying, and it will lead us to being preoccupied with the world's ways. There is thorny soil. Then there is a fourth soil. It's the good soil. It's the soil of the receptive heart. And the seed lands here. The seed takes root. And it brings forth a harvest. This is a heart that responds to God's initiative and to God's ongoing relationship with us. This is someone where she grows in faith. She grows in obedience. She longs to grow in a way that honors God in her life. This is a heart that desires to know God's word and to live life based on God's word. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have this kind of life? A life that brings forth a harvest, which means that we can share it with others, that we impact others 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. A life not just for, even for our family, but a life that we can share in abundance with others around us. This is a soil that has been plowed, where the stones have been removed one at a time, and the weeds have been uprooted. This is a soil that takes work. It just takes work. This soil needs nutrients. It needs minerals. Certain things have to be surrendered to the soil to get the soil to a place where it's going to bring forth a harvest. It needs leaves and twigs and bark that has fallen off and broken off and turns into compost within the soil. These are the things that the soil needs. Things that need to die in the soil. And the smell is not often pretty. But this is what is needed. This organic material that is broken down that makes the soil rich is called in the Greek hummus. It's the word that we get the word humility from. It literally means to be brought low. It's about taking things and letting them decay, having the right things decay. Selfishness, pride, bitterness, and letting them become the fodder within the soil to that God work for. To plow it, pull up the weeds, and to allow the soil to get the nutrients of the stuff that's decaying. And when God sees good soil, soil that has compost, all that stuff that is decaying that's going to make the soil good, God says, okay, this is a soil I can work with. I like this soil. That's the soil God longs for. Luke records, as Luke records this parable, the seed on the good soil stands 
for those with a noble and a good heart who hear the word and retain it. And by persevering, produce a crop. As Jesus' follower, God speaks to one who wants to advance the kingdom of God. Consider this in wanting to be the fourth soil, the good soil. Consider this. Consider saying, yes, God, even before you know what he's going to ask you. Before God tells you something, God, before I open up the word and read what it is you have for me today, I'm going to tell you yes first. And now you can speak to me, and you know what my answer is. It's just yes. I say yes first because I know that you love me. I say yes first even before I know what it is because I know you want what's best for me. So whatever you want from me, God, I'm going to tell you in advance, yes. What do you think God would say to that kind of person? What might that be? No, you say, I'm not willing to sign the blank check and allow God to fill it in. How do I know God wants what's best for me? Well, there's the cross, right? That's the story above all stories and the story that intersects with our story that knows that God loves us unconditionally and God wants what's best for us because he offered up his son and gave his son the punishment of hell that we deserve because of our sin that he was innocent of. How do we know that God is going to tell me and speak to me what is best for me? Not what's easiest for me, but what's best for me. The answer is the cross. That's why we know. Because he has offered his son. So if you've been bitten in life, and I bet you have, you can easily be one of the first three soils. You've kept your distance from God, hidden yourself with something other than fig leaves, but you've desired to stay hidden. And hiding from God, I think, is one of the saddest places to be. Isn't that a sad verse in Genesis 3 where it says, Adam and Eve hid from God? I just think that's so sad. How sad that is for us if we do it. So here's the deal, because I know you're wondering. Most of you have a hard board, piece of paper, and a pen. I put a few up here in the front in case someone doesn't have one. Uh, Christopher is going to stand up and he's going to look for a hand. And if you need a board, paper, or pen, Christopher is going to make sure you get it. 
Anyone? Y'all? Bruce was awesome back there. Oh, Mary needs one back there too? You need something to write on. All right. For the next three or four minutes, you're going to reflect on some questions. On your own. Here they are. And you can reflect just on one, or you can reflect on all four. Uh, this is about the soils. What soil comes to mind as the one of why people don't come to Jesus initially? Uh, how about followers of Jesus? Which one really kind of keeps them away? Uh, have you ever been soil one through three? What does a fourth soil look like? And have you ever been bitten in such a way that it has made it very hard to be that fourth kind of soil? All right, if you can um, wrap up your conversation, we're going to close in some more worship. And as we've talked about the different soils, the rocky, thorny, hard, and fertile soil, there is one thing that we always know is true. And no matter where we are in life, we need our Lord, right? So sing this from, uh, from our hearts now. No matter where we are, we need to come to our Lord. Oh, we need him.